And I am Aware Now. Aware Now, the official platform for causes. Tune in and turn it up as we raise awareness one story at a time for the causes that tie us all together. What do you get when you mix experts in biology, chemistry, and machine learning? With Anagenics, you get a fully integrated team working as one to find new medicines. Nicholas Tillman's launched Anagenics to accelerate drug discovery by combining DNA-encoded libraries and machine learning to rapidly explore chemical space. Straddling the line between computational and bench science, you've earned degrees in computer science as well as a PhD on directed evolution using DNA-encoded libraries. Nicholas Tillman's, please share the win that you found at the intersection of those sciences. Um, so we think that machine learning for drug discovery and, and, and applying machine learning to find new medicines is an incredibly powerful approach. We think that it's going to bring a lot of help to patients. It's going to help us tackle some new diseases and, and bring relief to people who so desperately need it. But historically, it hasn't really worked. Machine learning for drug discovery doesn't have a lot of wins under its belt. And, and we think that the reason for that is because machine learning hasn't been combined properly with an experimental approach that that matches its needs and matches its its approach. It's it's yeah. That, that matches its needs. And the way we see that is machine learning loves to have large data sets that have a lot of granular information about close relatives. It likes to see, you know, if I, oh, I saw this example, what's the example that's a little bit different right next to it? Oh, that one's different. That's, that's the kind of data that machine learning likes to see. But most drug discovery, most life sciences, experimental data sets aren't quite built that way. So what we've done at Anagenics is to build a system that allows us to build those kinds of data sets. And then we've then built custom models and, and developed new machine learning approaches that are well adapted to specifically the kind of data we're generating. So really, I, I like to talk about gears in the transmission. We have the lab and the compute meshing together like gears in the transmission driving our company forward. And, and we've built those gears to mesh perfectly. Um, so that's, that's, the, that's the win that we think we found. Wow, well, it sounds like an amazing one at that. Um, you know, so here's the thing. It wasn't enough for you to establish a successful career with a company. You needed a company of your own. So here enters Anagenics. So please, I'd love to start with the name of your company. Uh, tell us a story about that. And then uh, perhaps just a bit more uh, about the science behind it. Sure. So. Anagenics comes from anagenesis. Anagenesis is the process of evolution without speciation. So if you've got a species and, and it's it's constant, it's sitting on an island, right? And over the years, it gets better and better at living on that island, but it doesn't turn into two different species. So it's it's this process of refinement through evolution. Um, so that that's what the root for anagenics is, is anagenesis and want to do that for small molecule drugs. The, I think in terms of why did I start a company rather than go in an established company, I, I love this idea. I think this is 
it's, I, I just want this idea to exist. And I, I think maybe it, maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't, maybe we'll crash and burn. This drug discovery is an extraordinarily high risk business. Um, it's not for the faint of heart, but if it works, we'll get to, to help some people, which is number one on the list. And, and number two, I felt like I was, that it, I was the best position to bring this idea to life. And that I understood both sides and the way that I wanted to build it. And, and I, I could do that best as doing it myself and, and not uh, that's not fair entirely because I have I had the idea but I brought on board a team and this company has been built really by the team at Energenics and that's that's been amazing to see and, and the ability to build that team to, to to drive it from when I was just a slide deck and me to now we're about 18 people and 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 with the hefty bank account and that that's been amazing. It's been an amazing personal journey, but it's because I wanted, I thought this was the best way to find new molecules, to find new medicines. And I thought I was the best person to bring it to life, given my shared background on both sides of, mm -hmm. of what's needed to bring it to life. Wow. Well, that is, that is incredible. And like, I, I love how you say like, this is not for the faint of heart and the fact that you knew what you were getting into and you said, let's go. Uh, you know, it, 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 uh, it's CNE and fill it and you know that's very simple methodology however let's get specific here in the field of medicine even the complications have complications so my yep. question i guess now for you is of the many needs in the industry what specific one are you looking to fill and how are you going to do that we believe that our approach is especially well suited to uh, what I would call the selectivity and the optimization problem. There's, there's two issues with finding small molecule drugs. Um, one, if you have a new target, so if you, if you have a protein that you think is going to be important in some disease, you may not have a starting point, a molecule that you can move from that, that, that might start to affect that protein. So finding that starting point is difficult, but even more difficult is once you have that initial starting point, how do you turn that st initial starting point into an actual medicine? And that's called the, the optimization process. It goes by various names, hit to lead, lead op, um, but we just call it lead optimization for, for, for simplicity. And that optimization process is about 30% of the cost of bringing a drug to market. And the initial finding of a hit is about 10%. So these are together, that's 40% of the cost. And the rest, the rest is essentially clinical trials. And, and the clinical trials is the, the big question mark, right? Um, but you have to have good chemical matter and you have to have good compounds to set you up for success. And, so we are really working on that initial part and especially the optimization. Machine learning for drug discovery has had difficulties, I think, in, in playing there because again, the data set sizes for machine learning were not, the, the data set sizes in the life sciences weren't there for the machine learning to gain traction. And typically they weren't refined enough. So what we wanna have is we have a machine learning algorithm that's, that's smart enough to understand that data at high resolution, be able to, to guide a chemist during that optimization process so that chemist needs to make fewer molecules faster. Um, it takes about 2000 compounds, sometimes even more 
to get a compound to the clinic. A chemist can usually make about 10 compounds a month. So that is a lot of time to get this through. Mm -hmm. And you can parallelize that by hiring more chemists. <laughs> Just add more chemists to it. But that gets very expensive very quickly. And this is why the average drug taken to market today is comprised of the whole thing. Um, but the average drug taken to market today it costs about a $2 billion to get there. So even if we're off by a factor of two, right? If we're, if we're overemphasized by a factor of two, a billion dollars to get a drug from, a, from an idea to a patient is a huge amount of money. And we want to we want to figure out a way to do that faster, and we want to we think that the best way to do that faster is to help that optimization process go much more efficiently. And then the next step is also to be able to attack some of the problems that are difficult to attack ordinarily, and that will require better systems to find new molecules to. And those we think are the ones that are going to have most success in the clinic because I like to say. We're trying to drug the things that you want to drug, not the things that you just can drug. And oftentimes we're drugging the things that we have something that we can drug. Maybe it's not the best thing to drug, but it's, it's we can go after it. Mm -hmm. uh, we want to be going after the things that we, we really think are the ideal, but maybe that's hard and that's why we exist to try and solve that. To try to try to solve the, the hard problems of it all. Try to solve the hard problems that are that are we know or have good ideas will work. <laughs> but we haven't figured out a way to bring a molecule forward yet. Okay. Um, you know, so let's talk about uh, the nuts and, and bolts of, of, of a company to, to function. You need some funds that way. So we're going to do this. We're going to say, you just won your Series A round with an investment of $30 million. Nick, what are you going to do with it now? And I'll put the microphone in your face. And I will just start out by saying, we understand that Disneyland is great, but you've got work to do. So Nicholas, how will these funds be used to support this incredible work that you're about to do, that you are doing? Um, people are the most important thing for us. So we're going to hire a bunch of people that know more than we do. We, we try to hire people who are smarter than we are. And and so that's that's one. The mm -hmm. uh, next thing we're gonna do is we're, we're expanding our facility. So we've got a new lab that we're gonna build out. It's about threefold larger than our current lab, actually fourfold larger than our current lab. So there's, we're growing the lab, we're growing our staff and we're gonna spend a lot of money on the kinds of things that take, that are needed to bring a drug to the clinic. And that's buying a bunch of compounds, making a bunch of compounds, running a bunch of experiments, running a bunch of assays, all of those things. We're spending money mostly, I think if, if we look at the, the actual fraction, about half goes to, bit, to people. And then the next like 20, 30% goes to equipment and science and then the rest actually is probably the next the next like 10 percent is to equipment mm -hmm. and then the next like 20 to 30 percent is to to science to compounds assays mm -hmm. experiments and then the rest is you know keeping the keeping the lights on keeping the lights on because that's important too um yeah. okay so you know i'd like to to end our conversation with this um for all of those who are out there with a dream, a dream, I mean, you had a dream, you have a dream. For all of those with a dream of making waves in an in industry, what advice do you have for those who feel like a very small fish 
in a very large pond. What advice, Nick? <laughs> oh, wow. What a question. <laughs> I saved the easiest for last, yeah? <laughs> hmm. There's... It's hard to find a good answer for that. So I'll, I'll, I'll throw some things out and hope that the editing comes together. <laughs> Let's have it. <laughs> so one thing that I think is important is believe, you have to start believing that what you're gonna do matters. So to start, no matter what, even if you're a small fish in a big pond, right? Having the conviction that where you are headed matters. You gotta start there. You have to realize a few things. One, the things that you think are true now are probably not. You're probably wrong about a lot of things. And it's important to as rapidly as possible test your ideas, figure out what is, what is it that you are right about and everybody else is wrong about? What are the things that you're right about that agrees with everybody else? What are the things that you're wrong about for real? And so that's going out and finding experts, stress testing your ideas, saying, does this matter? Is this the thing? That's important. This is sort of generic advice. More specifically, I would say, if you're a little fish in a big pond and you start to make it, you start to grow, some of the things that people told you in the past, some of the people who told you in the past, oh, that'll never work, that's a bad idea, don't do it, they will be wrong. You will have made it, you will have advanced. However, you need to also know when those people, although they were wrong in the past, have advice for you that is correct now. I think that's one of the things that's, you, you start out with this need to have this monomaniacal conviction I am right, screw all the people who told me I'm wrong. I'm just gonna go all the way, right? And then you start to succeed a little bit and now you need some of those people to grow to the next level. Having the humility, having the, the, the judgment to understand when to push and when not, it's, is I think one of the most important things to, to get right. So I think to do that, you, you need empathy and you need an ability to, to, to be, you know, like I said, humility. To do that, you need empathy, but you also need things like empathy for building a team. So you're maybe a small fish, but a small fish can survive in a big pond if they move with a lot of, a lot of other small fishes. If you form a school of fish, now you're gonna be better off. Mm -hmm. And you only form that group of fish if you can convince other people to, to join you. And in contrast to the general tendency of saying, oh, assholes make, make the best founders and, and they're out there, they're swashbuckling. I don't think that's true. I think you have to have a conviction. You have to be able to, to put out some charisma and, and really be able to articulate your vision very well. But people who are good want to work with other people who are good and they want to be respected and they want to have autonomy and they want to be able to drive the ship as much as you do. So you want to give them that space that requires as a leader to be able to give that space to step back 
and to have a fair amount of humility and empathy. I emphasize those things, humility and empathy, because everybody knows about the big stuff. Everybody knows about, oh, I need to be able to tell a story incredibly well. That's absolutely true. If you're a founder, if you're whoever, you're selling all the time. My job is sales. I'm either selling investors, I'm selling potential business partners, I'm selling employees. I am in sales at least 80% of the time. And the rest of it is strategy, which feeds into how do I do better sales? So it's a, it's a real sales job. Now that's all true, but people don't emphasize as much that empathy, that ability to listen, that ability to, to be hum, humble. Mm -hmm. um, those are very important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's incredible advice. Uh, can I just say that when you write a book, can you write it in the form of metaphors? Because I really enjoyed how you explained with the fish in the school and all of the things. Um, that would just be my one request for you. If you could do that, I think it'd be great. <laughs> I, I, I'd like to say I've had to work a lot on metaphors because so much of what we do is complicated and mm -hmm. I can get very technical, but I lose people immediately. So I have to come up constantly with ways to tell the story that, that people can relate to. And that's a lot of metaphors. Yeah, well, I can say you are one hell of a translator. Thank you so much for taking this time to share your story, the story of this incredible company that you've founded and that is growing and know that we wish you all the success in the world. And thank you for helping all of us become just a bit more aware now. Thank you so much, Nicholas. Right. Well, thank you so much, Ali. You have a good rest of your day. Thank you. Tune into our podcast, subscribe to our magazine, find us and join us online. Visit IamAwareNow.com. We will no longer wait for permission to change the world. Together, we are aware now.